Tell us about your tiny little ghost rat mouse <laughs> thing. What was that? Uh, well, I've gotten several emails. I think it's called a, a, an Ermi or a Stout. A S-T-O-A-T. Stout? I don't know how to say that. Those both sound like made-up things. And yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought. And I was moving some stuff in my container, and this is really how it began. It was almost like a horror movie. I saw like a weird poop on the ground. And a little, and That's a little. How every horror movie starts. And a, little, and a little, like a little puddle of wet. And I'm like, oh, that must be pee, and that must be poop. But what animal made it? Because it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen in my 15 years in the country. Huh. Um, I didn't recognize because you know me being an old uh, fur trader, I know what all different poop looks like. And when I saw that poop, I was like, that is not a familiar poop. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what made Man. it. But just and, like title after title after title, <laughs> title. just keep going, man. Keep going. You're good. And so I was moving weights around. My brother has his whole weight gym in there. He was going to move, and he parked everything here, and he never moved. So now I have my brother's whole gym. So I'm setting up part of it in the in the new barn, and I'm fiddling through there. I haven't been in there all winter, and out of nowhere, I see something out of the corner of my eye move, and I'm like, "Is this is a a joke? Like I just saw a really long white thing move, and I out of the corner, I look back." And then I'm watching where I saw the movement. And after a couple of minutes, he like after like a minute, he just comes out and he's like, hey, what's up? And it's this weasel that I'd never seen. And then he moves in. It's like the tip of his tail is gray and he's pure white. And he's like a beautiful little animal. And he's like, hey, what's up? What do you, He's like, are you going to be here long? Because I got things to do. And like I'm like disturbing <laughs> him. And he's going up and down the shelves and walking all around like all neurotic. Like, when are you leaving? When are you going to leave? When are you going to leave? Like, that's kind of the vibe I got from him. So I Instagrammed and I shot a little video of him and everybody, I got a lot of emails and text messages from friends and family and, and fans. And they basically said, it's an Ermi, Ermi, Ermi. They're kind of native to New York. I've never seen one. A couple of guys told me they see them when they go hunting. They apparently turn gray or brown in the summer. Yeah. And in the winter they turn white. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And so it's a, so I, I texted with Jessup and uh, Jesse, Jesse Ueda. And I said, I think I'm going to, I'm going to turn him into a Gary. And uh, <laughs> I texted with, with, with Brett. I'm like, we got to make him, we got to get Jess over here. We got to make him a, one of the Gary. So this morning before the podcast, I went and I did a little Google last night. I found some guy feeding hot dogs to ones on his back porch. So I went and got a hot dog this morning and a coffee. Coffee was for me and the hot dog was for him. And I set up a GoPro. And a couple of little hot dog pieces and some bread, and we'll see if we get some good footage for the vlog. So if the, it's a cute little thing, he's really cute. Like I, I, I feel like I could be like, "Hey, what's up? You want to come hang out in the house?" You know, and then he would just disappear or get eaten by a cat. So, I don't know. I see a picture. I see a picture of one of them carrying another animal that's almost as big as him in his mouth. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I have a feeling I, they might be kind of scrappy. A couple of people told me they will kill chickens if you're not careful. So. He's little. I mean, he was only about seven, eight inches long. He might have been a baby or... But he's very cute, and we'll see if I can get some good footage of him. They look very house pet-like. It looks like it should be domesticated. Yeah, It really does. It really does. And that's why I was like, I'm thinking, like, I know my neighbors to one side, a very elderly couple. They wouldn't have one of those animals. And my other neighbor to the other side doesn't have any kids and is an older woman. So I don't know. And then everyone's like, no, no, no. It's like half the people said, oh, it's, it's a ferret. And the other half said, no, 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 it's, it's a wild animal. So I believe it's a wild animal. Look at the picture I just sent you. This is uh, one of those cute little things pulling a fish out of the water by its tail. Mm. <laughs> it's, it, it has some honey badger qualities to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's super, super cute, but. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that ferocious look on his face. So now, can you identify a a stoat's poop? Yes. So you, that's another that's another that's another poop that you can put into the the poop my, bank. Oh, my 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 poop vocabulary. Yep. Yeah, I have a very very large poop vocabulary. Yeah, that's 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 great. <laughs> I mean, it, it is all that time you spend as a fur trader that yeah. really paid off before yeah. YouTube. Yep. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, well, no, but that was what cool. else is going on other than your little ghost weasel? So last night I, I moved the, the, the my brother's gym and met the ghost weasel. And then I went and I, I printed. This week I put out two videos since we spoke. I'm going to mute and cough. 
I put out two videos this week. Well, I will be putting out another video today, probably. I put out the the casting of the belt buckle video, which was interesting. I don't know if I talked about it last week, but casting brass is like a different animal. In the past, I've casted this jewelry white metal, which melts with a torch. But casting brass is a much higher temperature. And and anyway, all the complicated things that go with having the, the, uh, the crucible and being able to pick up a crucible that's... 1200 1500 2000 degrees and pour it and pour it into the mold without breaking it and anyway i was able to to figure all that out and the video's out and we had fun with that we also made one in aluminum and so it was a very proud moment for me the very first brass casting i ever made in real genuine brass as opposed to making it and then spray painting it which i've done in the past and uh, making it in like a less lower melt metal like that white metal and so that was fun. And then this old antique printing press, this little desktop printing press. And I went and I printed a bunch of cards last night just to wrap that video. So that that's uploaded, but I'll release it at one point in the next day or two. But um, had a little difficulty with it. And we'll talk. It's kind of part of the subject we're going to talk about. And just thinking, uh, I, was just, I was like, oh, this is going to work perfect. And then it didn't work perfect. I got prints. And in the video, you'll see that they, they're okay. They're not as good as I expected them. And after printing now for a couple of years and getting better and better at knowing what I need to know and knowing the craft a little bit better and knowing what's good, what's bad, uh, I have higher standards. When if I, this is the first time I ever printed, I would be exactly ecstatic because I got I just got results. But the results aren't as good as I know they can be. So I was a little frustrated. But that video is wrapped and, and uh, I could put that video to bed. But I also need to then go back into the machine and figure out why it's not printing very well. Just the, the rollers. The rollers that I thought were going to be good aren't great. And the pallet at the top doesn't seem to be flat. So, I don't know. i got to maybe machine the pallet again. But uh, that's it. I got those two videos out. And then today I'm going to start a couple of more videos. And Jocko comes tomorrow. And then later in the week we go to WorkbenchCon. So, it's going to be a busy day today and tomorrow. Oh, and then my 50, not 50, 25 bullet signs will be delivered tomorrow. So, that's exciting. Yeah. I'll be done. Super busy. We're, yeah, we're in the home stretch of those signs. Brett and I will get them wrapped up today. So that's exciting. Yeah, we get to hang out this weekend. We're yeah, that's there. right. We're going to be there. It's going to be so many people there. Every, like, I've gotten so many <laughs> messages from so many people. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Except we're, for David. David's sorry. not going. Sorry. <laughs> but I have committed to Maker Faire. Mm-hmm. And, and I have as well. Yeah. So that's two <laughs> out of three. That's two of us, at least. I am I going? Yeah, you're going. No, I think I can go. I think I can go because (laughs) it's right between. It's between Maker Central, and the next weekend is San Francisco, and then the weekend after that is a is one of our classes. So it's going to be a crazy summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. If you can making it tough. There's some combo there. Um, (laughs) Speaking of, uh, for everybody who, through Patreon, got one of the posters, all the posters have made it through all three of us, and I've signed them here, and we're ready to package them. I'm waiting on a couple addresses still, and then we'll get them out to you. Cool. So they will be coming very soon. Um, David, what are you up to? Uh, I've had three weeks of my metal sculpture class, and... I absolutely love it. So, uh, as I talked about before, the the sculpture I'm making is I'm reproducing a snake plant. I'm going to have a wooden base, and then the leaves are going to be metal. And so I got to cut out the leaves and with with the plasma cutter. And my first thought was to make a plywood template of three different leaves and then cut them out. And I started using the template with the plasma cutter. I'm like, this is I'm complicating it too much. So uh, I just drew with chalk on the on the sheet metal and just freehand cut it, which was a lot easier and super fun. And then I got to throw that into the forge and smack it with a hammer and do some is that is that blacksmithing or is blacksmithing horseshoes? I don't I don't I, I think bending metal is blacksmithing. Okay. <laughs> so I got to, I got to do some of that and it was it was so cool. I it was the first time ever blacksmithing, first time ever plasma cutting, and I'm really happy with the way it's coming out. So it's so that's that's a really fun class. Uh and I've been um, I have a que- have a question about that class. Yeah. 
So what's the thing so far? I know you're not done with it yet, but what's the thing that you seem to be taking away from it so far? Is it the, the technical like use of the tools and the, the material stuff? Is it thinking through working in a different medium? Like what's the uh, it's new re- thing? It's the removing the fear of doing something I've never done before. That's the biggest hmm. thing I'm taking away from it. I've never used a plasma cutter. I've briefly used a welder. I've never done any blacksmithing. I've never had to purchase metal. So it all, it's all these things. It's just like when you when you dive into something you've never done before, you don't speak the language. It's hard to buy the supplies. You don't know what to get. But when you're there with somebody that's teaching you how to do it, that's kind of holding your hand, it just makes it so much easier. And you're I'm around other people. There's five or six other students who've also have never done this. So, so we're kind of like all in this together. And that's the biggest thing. And so I think after this class, I could... I, I could, with confidence, get uh, a welder. I could get a plasma cutter, and I I could do these things on my own. So it's it's the confidence mostly. Awesome. And the, That's and great. the te- yeah, and the teacher, the instructor, he's really cool. He's an artist, and um, he's just he's so he's so calm. You know how like uh, whenever you take a class. There's always a couple of people that are that ask a lot of questions or kind of want to flex their their muscles to show they have knowledge. And he's just he's so calm with everything. He's just like, I don't know. He's got a really really good attitude. I I just I'm like I want to hang out with you because you're just you're so cool. So uh, making friends and uh, it's it's really fun. So it's got me excited to try some some new things I've never done before. So and uh, that's great. Yeah, that is at the Toledo Museum of Art. So they do all kinds of art classes. They've got jewelry and metal and painting and everything. And uh, it's like a it's a ten week class. We go every Wednesday. And uh, yeah. So besides that, last week I put up my screen printing video, and that was also fun. I knew going into it that it's not a woodworking project, so it's going to get less views, but it's gotten. Uh, it's it's gotten a good amount of views, and so I'm trying to the the purpose of making that video is because I I want to incorporate some screen printing into some future projects, and I want to blow past that part of the video where it just shows me screen printing, and I can send people to this video like, hey, if you want to learn more about it, go here, and uh, that and the posters came out way better than than I expected. I couldn't believe the the detail that I got with it. It wasn't. Uh, I've done screen painting in the past, and we've used a much lower mesh. And I've got a in the poster. I think it's a sixteen or seventeen point font, and it's crystal clear. So that was that was super fun. So it's a I'm trying. I'm holding myself to trying new things in 2019, and I'm I'm definitely doing all kinds of new stuff, turning and screen painting and metalworking, and I've even gotten a little bit of painting. So. But, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. The with the screen printing video, even if it's not like a huge, as big of a hit as you would hope it would be now, it's one of those that will come up in search for people mm. from now on. And yeah. that will be a long tail video for you for sure. Because the one that I did many years ago still gets comments every day, every other day now, which is bizarre. And <laughs> it's, it has a lot of views on it. <laughs> cool. I've thought about redoing it just for that reason because... It was made so long ago. Even if I just re, you know, represented the same information uh, in a more modern format for me, I think that would just do better. Just be another outlet for that same info. You should, and it's just a, it's a cool tool to have going forward. So now I have all the supplies, and if I ever get the urge, I can I can dive right into it, or I can uh, just add that element to my to my projects. So, do you still have all your all your equipment and your screens and stuff? Uh yeah, I still have everything, but it's been many years since I've done any of it, so I'd have to reintroduce myself to it. And it was one of those things that, um, like the, uh, I, I if I'd spent more time with it, I think I could get better at it and more precise, and you know, like make the process better. But it was one of those things I would do every, you know, year. I'd like somebody would need a T-shirt, and I'm like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get together and print T-shirts one night, and we'd do that, and they turn out pretty good, but. If I did it again before a year, <laughs> they would have been better. Um, I'm just looking at, I was just curious, 
I looked at my video. That was from three years ago, and it's got over 6 million views. Oh, wow. Just about screen printing. So that's one that will continue to grow for you, I'm sure. Cool. And yours wow. shows up first. I searched for screen printing <laughs> on YouTube, and you have the first result. So that's a good thing Yeah. for your video, for sure. Yeah. So cool. this, um, Go ahead. Got something else? I was no. just going to say, this week we're probably going to do a... Uh, a quote unquote regular woodworking project since I haven't done one in a month, but uh, we haven't figured out what we're going to do yet. So there's a sponsor commitment. So I'm going to, I'll pick something. I, I, we might talk about it later, but um, I have, I have a huge list of, of projects that I want to do. And some of them are so simple and, I don't know whether to film them or to just just do them because they're things that I that I need. And another thing that I struggle with is there's I want to make something that's already been made a hundred times before. What's holding me back is how am I going to make this this thing different? What am I going to do to to make just not to satisfy the audience, but to satisfy myself to like. So I don't know. I like I, I I need a I need a pencil holder. It's so simple because the pencil holder I have in my desk right now is not working. It's a it's a coffee mug, and uh, um, things things fall out of it. And it's a wooden mug that mm. I made a long time ago. But I need a new one. Like there's so many pencil holder videos. So I gotta come up with something that's mind blowing to me before I can actually execute that idea. Hmm. Yeah, that's a thing that I. We, we kind of talked briefly beforehand about what to talk about, and that was one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot as well. So maybe we'll get to that. Is that ref- you mean kind of refreshing something old or just making something exciting again? It's whether or not to film it or, <laughs> you know. It's like any task that you take. You could say, well, <clears throat> I can film it for a piece of content, and it may be something that will make me a little bit of money. You know, it'll help this whole enterprise along. Or I could just not do that, and it'll take a third of the amount of time, and it will be done and off the list, and, you know, I can just start using it. But it's this weird trade-off all the time of, you know, is this little thing that I need worth creating a piece of content around? And I know that the people on the other side of the speakers right now are going, just film everything. That It's not really how that works, because that would be nice, but that's also a huge amount of time. And for me, at least, if I can't add some new value to the thing for the people watching, it's really hard to justify just making another whatever, you know. Um, so just try to come up with something new that I've never seen before, and that's tough, especially for really common things like pencil holders. Like, what? <laughs> it has one job <laughs> that's very, very – it's like all you have to do is <gasps> make something that has there. Make something that has two jobs. Make your pencil well, holder and that's, two jobs. There that's you, kind of what I, I typically do. I, I try to think – Okay, this one needs a thing, and that thing is usually a second purpose or a unique way to do the first purpose. Um, Excuse me. But that's usually where I get to. I'm like, I really need this, but it needs a thing, and it waits on the list until I come up with that thing. How about a pencil holder that when you put your hand near it, it offers up the best version of what you think it knows you need? So when you go near the pencil holder, like, it jumps out. Gives you the black wing pencil. (laughs) Yeah, and it's floating at the top. It's like, is this the one you want? Or maybe it's this one, then it quickly switches to like a Sharpie. Or is it this one again? <laughs> Somehow it knows and like elevates that one. Like the, the cup has like a magical powers. It, it, oh, yeah. The, Sounds good. I mean, that does, it's silly, but it does spark ideas. I'm like, ah, you pencil holder, PC, phone like charger. uranium in the bottom. A pencil holder with a sharpener built into it. And then I'm no, thinking. this is how you do it. In the beginning of the video, you're like walking through the woods near the uh, near, near the abandoned uh, nuclear oh plant, yeah. and you find a piece of wood, <laughs> and you bring it home, and you do that, and then through the through the beauty, so you do a beautiful you do a beautiful cup container vessel, and then through the beauty of of camera tricks, you do like a Sean King video where you make like the pencils like jump at you, <laughs> because the piece of wood like had like a nuclear history. It's got radioactive and like, you know, when you, and then at the end of the video, like the pencils jump to you, you do some trickery, which makes it fun. And then when you walk out of the room, you flip the light off and the coffee cup is glowing. <laughs> so, and, that's, and then, then close screen. And that's so how it turning, ends. turning a two hour project <laughs> now turns into a 48 hour video edit 
Yeah, but then you do it with you do it with like you do it like. uh, Am I saying his name right? Is it Sean King, the guy that does all those great camera tricks? Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the guy who like he'll be in a store and he'll like have a shirt and he just like throws it and it lands on his body. There's all these really cool things. Anyway, so if you do something like that, everybody knows all that is faked, but there's still some beauty in the woodwork of it all. You know, that's just that'll be like three percent of the video, but enough people to go. Wow, that piece of you know, so a guy could show it to his young kids, and they could be like, "Wow, that's radioactivity is magic." I'm going to go hang out at the nuclear plant. <laughs> yeah, let's go hang out at the nuclear facility. <laughs> nuclear. Oh, that's funny. Nuclear. 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 I like it when you just make stuff. George Bush. Have you? So I'm curious, David. Have you gotten? You said you haven't really done a basic or a simple woodworking project. Have you gotten response over the last month against what you're what you've been working on? Or do you just feel the need to get back to doing something I f- I feel, traditional? I feel the need. So, you know, the screen printing videos, lower amount of views. The video before that is a tip video, the, the Joiner one, which got a great amount of views. But those videos are kind of hard to predict how many people are going to gonna watch. When I do a how-to woodworking project, I, I'm, um, I can almost pinpoint how many views it's going to get after a week or, or after a month. And they, they're the ones that are the, the steady thing that's good for the channel. And I got in a couple people, um, which will never be able to comment on my videos again, of saying, basically, stick to what you know. Like, I'm here for the woodworking. I'm like, come on. You know? So. Stick to what I want. That's one, what they're saying. One guy actually cool. said, you're not Bob. Stop with the random projects. <laughs> Whoa. <Yeah. laughs> wow. I'm like, all right, dude. Never hear from you huh. again. Ghosted. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, so like with the we were talking about the um, projects that we don't you know can't decide whether we should do them all or not. I've run into that a lot lately because <clears throat> I will try to come up with different things all the time so that I'm jumping intentionally jumping around from one thing to another. Um, but I think I've mentioned this before. Like that can get really kind of exhausting because it's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I have to figure this new thing out, which is fun. But when you always figure new things out all the time and you don't really have time to spend much time learning them well and practicing them, it's just like you move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. And so um, part of me wants to jump back into doing things that I already know, things that I can easily knock out. But then I'm like, well, is that like a cop out? Is that me? Is that me just like, well, yeah, I can make a, I don't know, a cutting board. I've already made cutting boards, but just as an example, like that's a thing I could do without having to research anything, without having to plan really. Is it worthwhile doing something like, like that? Or is part of the the learning process um, and, you know, figuring out new stuff, is that is that the value that I'm offering to other people? I don't know. I mean, there's no answer to that. It's different every week. But that makes it a little bit harder to even just be like, well, this week I'm just going to like make some, you know, another bookcase. Like, well, I just, you can't, you can't just continue to make bookcases all the time, even though that's easy. Um, so I've been dealing with that a lot lately. And just the fact that uh, a lot of those things, and uh, th- this is probably the bigger issue for me, um, a lot of those things that I've done before, or at least working within woodworking, um, it's faster, and so, like, the pace that we all work at trying to create a video every week and having, like, I want to make some bigger projects, and that means that they take longer. And so by putting in faster projects for me to produce, you know, in between those helps kind of even out, kind of levels out the schedule. And uh, so there's part of me that just wants to make some quick, easy stuff, but then I'm like, I don't know if I'm adding any value. Is that worthwhile to anybody, or is that just giving me a video to have something out while I work on this thing that I actually care about. I'll tell you what, some of my most successful videos are those ones where I needed to fill space. And the the prime example is, is make magazine. When I was committed to making a video every two weeks for make magazine, Dave Welder and I, that was the bulk of when I was working with Dave, Dave and I would be like, I'm like, got to make a video. It's got to be done by tomorrow. What can we do? And like, we're looking around the shop, just like, Oh, let's make a thing that does this. And I remember one of those examples is, oh, let's make a treasure chest. And when I said, let's make a treasure chest within like 
a minute we started cutting metal. And that's like one of that's like one of the most copied videos people have made D, uh, CGI plans of that and I get so many emails look what I made with I made my first project is this treasure chest. You know that everybody does their own interpretation of it which is great. So there is there, and there's lots of those little videos like Derek lately was going he was looking for inspiration so he just went through all my videos on make and he was sending me pictures of what he was watching and i'm like oh i completely forgot i made that but i remembered the impetus of each one of the pictures he sent me he sent me pictures of maybe five or six things and i did i think i did over 90 videos for make magazine but every time i see one of those old videos i'm like oh yeah i remember i had to like make that in a day oh yeah i remember i came up with that idea just like 10 minutes first started working on it and those are some of the funnest videos, and those are like that so-called classic, the rest of what a lot of fans say. So now when I do a shorter video, when it's quicker and it just kind of gets right to the point, and I'm not overly, I'm not overly concerned about camera focus and stuff, people always say, oh, classic, the rest of this is what I remember. This is why I'm here. <clears throat> but simple stuff people can appreciate, and, and especially if there's one or two little tricks in it, and it's a 10-minute video or less, and you know, I wouldn't overthink it. And I, if you're going to make another coffee cup, like I was just thinking, like one way that you could turn the coffee cup on the lathe, right? And then take it to the bandsaw and cut it completely in half and then glue some accent wood on that cut line. Glue it back together, cut it in half the other direction, glue some, and then put it back on the lathe and just clean those pieces in. And then there you have kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, a, an Eddie, Valen, Eddie Van Halen stripe in there, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like after the fact. Yeah. Um, the other day I made a package for a chair, for Taylor's chairs out of wood. And then we went and brought the chairs to it. And the thing was too small in every direction. I was like, what was I thinking? Like, how, I just made a whole crate. And I was like, I completely messed up my measurements. So I took it t- on the table. So I cut the whole thing completely in half and put a two-inch strip in one direction, glued it all together and nailed it, and then put it back on the table. So I cut it in half in the other direction. So I expanded the box in two directions by adding a two-inch strip right down the center. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking that in terms of like the a wooden coffee mug. But... I would say don't overthink it because it, it can be a, you know, it's never, you're never going to have home runs every time. And these little videos, people appreciate the quickness of them and, and the ingenuity that comes about working on something quickly. I think, the, you know, yeah. You could set it up to look like it was well-planned, but nobody has to know that it wasn't. <laughs> it also <laughs> has to please us as, as we're making the video, like, because you don't want to have that feeling of, oh, I just made a video just to make a video this week. Because that, that feels very icky. And so we, we but no, but you know what? avoid that. Turn that around and make it like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let this get by me. I'm going to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I'm going to, like, I, it's a, in that situation, you're in a MacGyver situation. You got to pretend you're in the trash compactor in Star Wars. And you're like, how am I going to get out of it? <laughs> oh, look at you. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a good point. And and I think like that same the thing that you just said there, I should apply to uh digital fab videos because there's been a bunch of things lately where I'm like, yeah, we could totally do this and we could cut it on the CNC the end. And I'm like, that's not enough. Like you can't just I have an idea, so I'm going to do a video that's just me having the idea doing the digital work which isn't super easy to show and explain and then have the machine cut it and be done. And so there's a bunch of things that are just sitting out there that I haven't done because that's the process and that's the most efficient process to do it. Um, you know, that's the easiest process to well, do then it. Well, th- a video it like that, for a good, it doesn't no, but, make for a good way to teach anybody else. No, but you know what? Figure out uh, material holding, mm-hmm. you know, your process and how you, uh, you know, in, in that digital fab, figure out some unique things that would be highlighted in a video. Yeah. You know? Maybe, maybe if maybe if the easiest thing is to screw it to the table, think of something that's a little bit more elaborate. You know, use this as a teaching moment. Say, okay, right. you know, I could just screw it to the table, or I could just hot glue it to the table. But in this case, we're going to do a little wedge form because I want to make five of them and I want to hold my zero. You know what I'm saying? So try and extrapolate yeah. the information out of out of the the task itself, and don't just look at the task as like, oh, that's a CNC thing. And then you could say, look, you could stop the camera and go, look, here, this is a, I could usually use this toolpath, but I'm going to use this toolpath, you know. I've been watching a lot of John yeah. Saunders lately, so he's, he explains oh. everything. So. Well, and that's, a, that's what I should do, is watch people who already do more digital fab stuff and try to get some, you know, how they frame projects and how they, 
how they go about showing that stuff off. So the way that we end up having these conversations about that type of a project is uh, we'll come up with an idea and, you know, at least for Josh, his first um, first thought is to, like, let's model it and CNC or 3D print it because that is the easiest path to getting these things, for the most part, to getting these things done. And so that's our first thought, and then we both have to look at it or I have to look at it, whatever the the deal is, and say, like, mm, it needs more. It needs something to make it accessible to the people who don't have that tool. It needs to have a piece of information in it, a teaching tool that is not just watch the machine do the work. It, like, there has to be a thing there that they can, like, glean from that process. Um, and so a, a lot of that is then trying to overcomplicate the project from that point to make sure that I'm injecting some sort of useful piece of information, you know. Um, so things end up being probably more complicated and more time consuming than they actually need to be <laughs> just so that they have a little bit of value. But that, I mean, that's my goal. That's the purpose of this. So no, I think people realize that, that. Then, no, people yeah. realize that. So, I mean, I, there, there's a lot of times where I use the band. So I could certainly just see and see, but I see they use the band. So just cause it gives me a little bit more meat and potatoes for the camera. Yeah. And, you know, and then also if I'm thinking here, uh, this is more brainstorming, but if you have a video that's kind of straightforward and doesn't have too many teaching moments, you could stop for a minute and just do like a little history lesson. They say, did you know that uh, so-and-so was the 25th president and such and such? And then just... You know. <laughs> totally unrelated history? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, anything. <laughs> so the very first yeah. CNC was made by so-and-so Johnson in uh, 19 such and such. And then go back to, you know. Did you know stoats change color for the winter? They turn from yeah. brown to white? Did you know stoats aren't just lost ferrets? <laughs> stoats eat hot dogs. I hope I got. My, I hope my camera's working. It's a little cold out today. GoPros are great. Battery powered tools are great. The second it goes below forty degrees, everything shuts off, including your iPhone. So. Hmm. I figured the GoPro would have been better about that. No, is it not? Really? No, the Go the GoPro acts drunk when it's cold. It's like, it's like, I gotta do this. I gotta do this task. I swear. And then like you hit start and then it's just frozen screen for 10 minutes and then you film and then it's like, great. And you're like, oh, this is great. I got so much. I can't believe it worked in 20 degrees. And then you get home and there's nothing on the chip. Hmm. Bummer. All right. So we got off on a big, long tangent. You had something (laughs) you wanted to talk about, Jimmy. Oh yeah. What's that? I lately this week, uh, there was a couple of moments in time where I had to, change course and it, it, we could frame it in YouTube, but it doesn't necessarily pertain to YouTube. For instance, I did the belt buckle video this week and I did my first 3d print of the logo. It's the logo for the maker's mob. That's Jesse, the samurai carpenter's new adventure. I'm part of that. And so are a few other YouTubers where there'll be extrapolated videos, extended videos with all voiced over parts and stuff in, in, in behind a paywall on the maker's mob channel. Anyway, so Jesse said to me, we were coming up with trying to come up with interesting projects. And he said, hey, can you make me a belt buckle with the Make Mob logo? I'm like, oh, awesome. Send me the send me the logo and I'll take a look at it. And I thought for a minute, oh, this would be a good opportunity to, to, to make it in brass, which is because I got this new forge and I haven't really used it for anything yet. And I need to highlight for those guys just to give them a little bit of thumbs up, the Devil's Forge Company. <clears throat> and so I thought this is up. This was a good opportunity. So I brought the the image he sent me i brought it into illustrator turned it into vectors because it was just a it was a jpeg and then from vectors i turned it into an image in fusion and then i 3d printed it and that took you know a sizable piece of time to 3d print it took like three hours and then the next day i'm trying to make a mold of it in the casting powder i was using petrobon and it wasn't working because it was too deep and there was no draft you need angles on every straight line every everything that goes back straight like an ice cube tray, for instance, when you look at an ice cube tray, it's got those big severe drafts on it. So the ice cubes pop right out. I didn't have a very good draft and some of the details in the belt buckle printout were too deep. And I kept trying to get a good thing. And I really didn't want to have to print it again. Turns out I went back and printed it three different times. And every time I printed, it took two, two and a half to three hours. So where I thought I was going to have this video done in like a day, I had to stretch it out over almost the whole week because I have kept having to reprint the belt buckle. So the point was, the point of this story, and, and I'll give you another example, is when do you realize that you have to just stop and do it again or stop and redesign the plan? And knowing that, 
and having to come to terms with that is difficult because you just put all this work into it. If you watch the belt buckle video, the first cat, I make the first casting in the red powder, which is, uh, it's actually Delft clay. I said it's Petrobon, it's Delft clay. And I pull it out and you look at the impression in the clay and it's cracked. That was one of the first ones I got that was successful-ish, still wasn't perfect, but I kept it on camera, although I didn't end up using that mold. I remade the mold off camera. But I'm like, okay, I got a good enough shot for video. But in reality, I can't use that mold because the edges are all cracked. And you'll go back and see what I'm talking about. By the time I casted it, I had made a completely different print and made a better impression. So it then goes to the die cutting machine. The other night, I'm trying to get this new die cutting machine that I bought. And I have all this $500 worth of pulleys and flat belts and everything and motors set up underneath it. And it's not giving it the energy it needs to follow through on its cycle. And I'm looking at it and I do some research and I see one guy online has the same machine. He's got a direct drive. He doesn't have any pulleys. The motor is mounted, goes directly to the pulley that turns the machine. So there's nothing in between the drive shaft on the motor and the, the pulley except for one pulley. My thing has got a step down, a thing, a flat belt. And I want it to work because I spent $500 on it and I set it all up and all that part is behind me. But it's not working. So I have to literally take it all completely apart and figure out what will make it work. And I think a direct drive. So I'm going to go from the three-inch pulley on the motor to the 20-inch pulley on the machine. And I don't, I didn't want to do that because I thought my job was done. So this is just a conversation about knowing that moment where you really have to make that decision. And those are two vague, simple examples, but there have been other bigger ones where you got to stop and say to yourself, all right, I have to scrap this. Even though I shot it, you know, if you're doing a YouTube thing or if you're not doing a YouTube thing or if you're spending too much money, you got to just say, I got to stop and go in a better direction. And another example, and I'll let you guys talk. I watched the TV. I watched the movie on Netflix last night, The Fry Festival, the documentary <laughs> on the fire, the fire festival. Yeah. Where they got so far down the road and so they got to a point where they were all saying, we should cancel this. We should cancel this. We got to cancel this. And the, the, the guy who was leading the party was like, no, 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 we're going to make this happen. He had no reality basis in reality of like what was going wrong or he didn't want to admit it and the festival turned out to be a big nightmare where they bust people into this little kind of dead-end street and they had hundreds and hundreds of people to take care of feed house and uh anyway they needed to change the plan at one point or cancel it they needed to, to to know when it was time to change direction and they didn't so that's that's have you guys had a similar experiences where you realize you spent time energy money footage and then all of a sudden you go i can't do this i gotta go a different way that's just not gonna work out just a couple weeks ago i'm working with another youtuber inventor guy and he sent me this jig i don't want to get into what it does just yet until it's released but we were using the jig to make a certain thing and i had Dan over and we filmed, you know, four or five hours. And at the end, I'm like, there's, there's some things that still need to be worked out. We have to totally scrap this. This day was just a bust, you know? So we, we spent an entire day or most of a day and I paid Dan and we got no video out of it. But we learned some good lessons and we went back. And so now we're going to try to reshoot this. And we we could have, we got a couple pieces that, that worked. But for the most part, it was not a good success rate. And so we could have made the video and put the video out. And it, it, would, it would have felt like, it would have felt deceiving if we would have only showed the success. So we just decided to scrap it. Well, we learned some lessons. Now we're going to go back and redo it. So it was one of those things. It was just like, man, I got to stop. And we, we got nothing out of it. But that's okay. We, we learned something. We still still had fun. And I'm, you know, next week we'll, 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 we'll do something that, that is successful. And it really, it, 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 it kind of stunk really bad. But it was a good learning uh, it, it, I don't. I don't. I don't know what I'm adding to the story, except I just experienced this, and we just moved on, and that's all it was. Like it was just like, ah, oh, that was fun. We moved on. We're doing the next thing now. I think I've only had like one situation that I can think of <clears throat> where it was like we we put in a bunch of work and we got to a point and just said, nope. Like I, I don't know what to do next. 
amount of ideas on this one, so we're going to set it aside, and that was six months ago. Oh, didn't you? Set it aside and... Uh, can and, I bug you? Didn't you do that with the uh, with the panic the panic wall? You said you got to a point where it wasn't working for some reason, and then you guys had to change course when you did the. Uh... Um, yeah, I mean, kind of that one. Like, you know, it it effectively worked. It just didn't work as well as I'd. If I had had a little bit more time, we would have right. come up with a better mechanism. But that right. was one where I hit I hit a time block more than a right. run out of ideas. Um, but this other one is the only one I can think of that it just, we just didn't know what else to do. And it was like, well, this is going to take some research and, you know, coming at it from a different direction. So we set it aside. That footage never got used. But I think more often than not, I run into those same things, but I don't, I don't usually get to the end of the day and go like, well, can't use that whole day's worth. It's like I hit a roadblock, a small one, and then change direction a little bit. And so like we're actually working on one thing right now and it was supposed to be a quick one day, like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Let's try this thing. Uh, we can talk about it in the after show cause I don't want to give it away, but it was like, maybe this will take us the full day to shoot. Maybe, maybe not. And then we got about halfway through the day and I'm like, Oh boy, <laughs> this thing is, it's more difficult than I thought. It's not quite working as simply as I thought it would. And so now it's spilled over into a few days and we're still going to get there, but I can see already that several of the things I thought would work are not going to work. So we're going to have to continue to change the process as we go. And even while you were talking about your, uh, the belt buckle that gave me an idea on how to fix that thing. Just the process of, of like thinking what the next step that I haven't gotten to yet, which I already know is going to be a problem. I just don't know how it's going to be a problem. That gave me an idea, uh, how to maybe, forego some of the problems that could come along with it. So, you know, I think uh, being aware of, I don't know if there's a lesson in that, but other than maybe being aware of the fact that all along the way, you can start to kind of see things go in the wrong direction. And if you're aware of those, maybe you can try to hedge it a little bit and say like, oh, I can see failures on the horizon. Let's take a break and plan to maybe soften that failure a little bit or you know, try to prepare for it or just change directions to try to get ahead of some of the problems. You can't always do that, obviously. Um, but I think that has helped me to try to look ahead a little bit further than I would naturally look ahead, you know, in projects. I, so. I just want to add that the person I'm working with and for this video um, the, the one who invented the jig, he listens to this podcast. I want to make sure like, I don't want him to feel bad. I'm not complaining that we lost a, a, a day or whatever. It was it, it was a good learning experience, and we got some good, valuable information out of it. So I just want to make sure that I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I know you're listening. So, um, uh, yeah. So it was – that's but the you only know what, time I'll, I can I'll... ever think that that happened. I, I can't think of any other project where we just had to completely stop and 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 backtrack. Well, I, it, it's happened to me quite a bit, and I, it, those are the most recent examples. And they're not they're not very severe in in problems, but again, there's the context of the YouTuber and the non-YouTuber. But in the context of the YouTuber, we always shoot and we think, okay, how can we save what what, what we at least shot, so we don't have to go back and redo that. So then I could focus on fixing the problem without being distracted. And in my case, it was the belt buckle where I went back and printed it several different ways, several different tries. I went back in and, and it was, it was a really, it was a good experience for me because I went into fusion. I figured out how to put a draft on the thing. You need a seven degree draft to be able to pull it out of the Petrobond easily. And I didn't do that initially. I was just like, I hope that's shallow enough so that the clay doesn't hang on to the, to the form. And I put enough powder on there to let go of it. And then I realized it doesn't, you really do need the draft. And, uh, so it was a learning. It was definitely a good learning process. If I had been successful straight away, the next time I went into it, I might have encountered all those problems the next time I casted something because I would have just gotten lucky the first time, not having prepared the model correctly. But going back into it and taking some time. And and then I, I, I had the same thing with the, the printing press, the little baby printing press, which I made the new rollers for. The, the video will be ready to go out this week. The rollers didn't work as I expected. But then I'm realizing... I got to remember in the context of this product, and somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, but these products, as well built as they are, they were kind of like a, a secondary 
price point to like a real printing press. So it's not going to be the same quality, even though it's like all cast iron. The tolerances are pretty good in one respect, but the, the plate is machined into the top and that plate sits at a little bit of an angle. So when the rollers go over it, the rollers are only picking up ink on one side of the plate because the plate's got like a one degree bend in it. And it's not bent because it's all cast iron. Cast iron doesn't bend, it just breaks. So it's just made badly from the from you know 100 years ago. It's just not made mm. precise. And uh, so I'm trying to adjust the springs to get a good print. By the end of the video, I got some pretty passable prints, but I really expected much better results. And I think I already said it while the, cam- while the mic was on. Uh, I, I'm going to go back in and try and, you know, my expectations are much higher now because I've gotten a year or two of, the, of printing under my belt. So, like I said, I got enough for the video itself, but it's not as good as I, you know, it's not up to my personal standards. So I'll figure that all out. Maybe I'll take the the, the plate off and put it on the lathe and clean it up or something. But it's just a point there where I see a lot of guys put videos out or, you know, if you're a first time YouTuber or early to YouTube, People will put videos out because it's like, oh, I went down this whole path and I just, it's the best I could do. And w- because you, you're you attached to that product because you just made it. It's basically like giving birth to like an object and being like, oh, I can't abandon it now. I've just given birth to it as defective as it is. You know, it's not, it's not a humanoid object. It's just an object. You can just put it aside and remake it again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. see, I see students do that all the time. They're like, they'll make a book. That is horrible. They'll book, but they're like, well, I, I, I put all my time and energy into it. I'm like, no matter how much you love that object, it still looks like ferret poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the put truth. Put it like, aside get, and make it again. When you get to the end of a thing, like you do a project, whether this is in school, for video, for a client, for yourself, whatever. You get to the end of the project and then you walk, you take that thing and you walk out of the room and you show it to another person. They see what they're looking at. They see the thing, not the effort you put into it, not the planning that you put into it, not the materials or the time or the money or any of that stuff. They see the final thing. And if that final thing is not what you wanted them to see, then you should not show it to them. You should figure out a better way to do it or do it again or whatever. And I think you're right. A lot of us, I think especially when our, our time and video and money is, is into it, or like investment of materials or whatever. We want to stick to our guns and say like, I'm going to make this thing work. And that's probably not always the best option. You know? yeah. I, I mean, guess depending is... on your, what your goal is. If your goal yeah. is just to get something done and get it out the door, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The yeah. Uh, Fire Festival documentary is a great example of like gone too far. That guy's in jail now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so there are two documentaries on the fire festival there's the netflix one and then there's also one on hulu and the fun thing is the netflix one is made by the ad agency that worked with uh the fire festival so jerry guys yeah yeah and so there are things that are hidden that they don't talk about because they don't want to make it's it's they they sort of people are talking like they made that video to make themselves look better to kind of um so, so they weren't attached to this thing that completely failed. But the Hulu documentary talks about the Jerry guys. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a. It, it, watch it's the funny. Other one. I want. I that's a good to know. I didn't know there was two, but I definitely want to see the other one because I'm watching this whole thing and I'm like, what happened to this guy? What about Ja Rule? Like he completely disappears halfway through the thing and like nothing. Ja Rule didn't seem to be culpable for anything. Yeah, he was and, like, yeah, I didn't have anything to do with that. And then just kind of walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, no, so it left a lot of questions. It didn't answer as many. And and why, like, why is this guy hiring a camera crew to, to, to film him do deceptive stuff? Like after the fact. Yeah. Weird. After Fire Festival, I forget the guy's name, the guy who's in jail. He's like doing this scam where he uses that mailing list to try and sell fake tickets to, to events that he doesn't really have access to. Yeah. And, and he hires a camera crew to film him do that. Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, I wonder if there was a... So the reason I say it makes no sense in the documentary, maybe it made sense that they just cut out the reason why it seemed to make sense to him at the time. I don't know. I don't think anything he said could make it make sense. But I just wonder, like, it seemed like, like a weird disconnect. I think um, this is a total tangent. It, 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 There's fun documentaries to watch. I don't think he knows that he's scamming people. I think he's just... He 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 was just the type of person to like 
let's just dive into it. Let's do it. And we'll just make it work. Like, I, I don't know. He's, he's, a, he's a weird dude. And he was successful yeah. in certain things. Successful at making lots of money. Um, but now he is in, in jail. So, so l- let me ask you a question. Is there anything in this document? Because, I mean, to be honest, this sounds like something I would not want to spend my time watching <laughs> at all. Is there something in there that's like a worthwhile... Is it just interesting, or is there something like actually useful about? I, I think you could get um, when planning an event or planning something planning that's an event, bigger, definitely bigger than you. You you need time to figure it out. You know, when there's lots yeah. of people involved, what, if you're making something and there's lots of people involved, you probably need to give yourself more time than what you actually think. There's a, there's yeah. a good lesson hmm. learned in okay. there. Yeah, cool. That's funny yeah. when you go back. So let's go back to like. I started a toy company in like 94 and our investor, my friend, Peter, he, we all sat in an office together and he says, he goes, take pro. This is, this was the plan. This was our business plan. Make good prototypes of good product ideas, make good packaging prototypes, show them to salesmen, get orders, but be re-, He said this, he like tapped the table. He goes, be realistic about your delivery dates. Give yourself a year of development time is what he said. He goes, I don't care what the product is. Give yourself a year of development time. And every time I hear somebody say, oh, I'm going to make this product and put it out tomorrow. Like you, especially if it has moving parts, give yourself a year of development time to test it. Make sure that it works. Make sure you, your, your factories are all in order. You know, this is on a bigger scale than, than like maybe some of us digital fabricators are up to these days. But I always remember that. And when I'm watching the documentary last night and he says, oh, in 10 months, we're going to run this thing. I'm like. Right away, like I know it's a failure. I know the outcome. But I, it, when he says we have 10 months to put this party together, I'm like, I already adequately cringed. I'm like, that's no time. <laughs> There's not enough time. And, you know. It's, Just think of all the Kickstarters that are out there. Like almost every yeah. Kickstarter I've been a part of there's been delays in the shipment of the final project because you don't see what's going to happen with manufacturing or you don't see what's going to happen with the, with the mailing part and dealing with shipping stuff to other countries or from other countries. And so... You, it's almost like you almost have to double the time that you think you need. That that being said, I, I visited the Wazer guys this week. I actually, I'm, they're going to be in my vlog. I went and saw their production in Brooklyn, and uh, it was cool. They got they got it all figured out. It's crazy. They have their own little production going on. All their parts come together, and they build their machines in Brooklyn. It's pretty crazy. Did you film anything while you were there? Yeah, yeah. They let me film some of the stuff, and I, I interviewed N- Nissan. He's the owner, and. Uh, couple of the guys yeah it was cool we got a couple of cool projects in the in the shoot gonna work on one of their machines sweet um you guys got anything else on these topics multi topics (laughs) no i think it's just like if you're a first time i mean to make it relatable to most of the audience if you're a first time use youtuber and you go down a path and you say, you know, it's the first time you're making a movie. It's the first time you're editing. Don't be afraid to just scrap it and start again. Because although you did put a lot of heart and energy into it, maybe it's not right. And even though it is your first YouTube movie, you know, there's a fine line. You can say, you know, it's my first one. It doesn't matter. The next one will be better. And that's okay, too. But don't be afraid to, like, when you look at your footage and it's, say, for instance, all surveillance camera footage, which is horrible, is a Something about watching myself from the corner of the room, the entire video is uncomfortable. Go back and reshoot you, even faking doing stuff. So the point I'm making is when you you look back at your project and you realize it's not right, you can go back and fix it. You don't have to force it out the system, whether it's a product you make or whether it's a video or anything. Yeah, I mean, I tell people will often ask all of us about like making videos and stuff. And I always tell people, make the first one with the intention of never putting it out. Because it takes the pressure off of it. You know, you don't, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't, you know, you're learning. You're going to shoot the first one. There's no pressure to it. And you get to the end of it and you watch it and you're like, man, that part, awful. That part, wow. I look goofy. I didn't have my pants on. Whatever the thing is, you know. And then you can. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But then you can go back and look at it and say, like, it doesn't matter that this is awful because I learned stuff from it. And on the next one, I know what I didn't know before, and I can make that one better. And if it turns out to be good or passable, right on. You got your first video done. But I think that's a great way to go about it is just not to put the pressure on yourself of my first one is going to go out and it has to be good. Make the first one just to get it out of the way. (laughs) Honestly, just like do it so that it's done. I think that's how we approach the podcast. 
Didn't we say let's record yeah. it, and if we don't like it, we'll not yeah. put it out? Yeah. So yep. you could, even if it's not, even if you're just making something and it's not a video, you're making a project, maybe you just need to set your expectations. Like, this could, if you go in with the attitude, like, this could not work, not a big deal. It's not, you're not going to be attached. You're not going to have that, that, that ill feeling when it doesn't work. And if it does, then that's even more exciting for you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. All right. Um, we got to get to the after show. So I need to thank our Patreon supporters, especially our top supporters, Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Caleb Harris, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, and Make, Build, and Modify. Uh, there are top supporters over there, and we're really grateful for them and for everybody else. There's a huge list of people that are helping us out, and um, it, it's all really helpful, and we're grateful for all of them, even the, the dollar supporters. Those dollar supporters and everybody else gets the after show, which is more of us talking for longer, and <laughs> there's sometimes secret stuff. Sometimes we talk about upcoming projects that we don't talk about here, mm. like I might have one. Ooh. Uh, Sometimes Jimmy has pants on. So, if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it. And if you don't want to do that or can't do that, that's totally cool. We just hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Sharing it with your friends or your enemies, that would be cool. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Just, just like, find a random person and tell them about the podcast. Barry Barry Katz is uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to, uh, Industry Standard. And I actually might go on the show, which would be awesome, oh, but it's not going to happen right away. Yeah. Anyway, Barry Barry always says, go to iTunes and rate the show if you like it. And if you, he always goes, if you like the show, tell a friend. And if you don't like the show, tell a friend. That's how he always says it. <laughs> nice. That's what uh, Wheezy Waiter says that about his videos. He was like, if you love this video, hit the thumbs up. If you hate this video, hit the thumbs up. <laughs> pretty good. Hey, you guys got anything else? Uh, yeah, you know, we didn't tell anybody what we're listening to. I know I have a good suggestion. Okay. I was going to talk about Jenny Swiss. So go go to the Jenny Swiss channel. He's like the European version of me, and he's he's a he's a fanboy. <laughs> wow. he, no, he's a, you know he's like a <laughs> fanboy, and everybody always says he he looks, acts, and everything's like you. And we hung out, and I loved the guy. We had such a great time. We had a lot of laughs, and I gave him one of my big posters. And in the video, you see us exchange money. And he bought one of my, he bought the first and only big poster that I sold, and he made a frame for it out of out of whiskey barrels. And he and he dealt with the the age old problem of whiskey barrel use. How do you flatten out a whiskey barrel stave so you can actually turn it into? And he steams them and flattens them, yeah. so pretty cool. So go check out Jenny Swiss. But I also wanted to mention Bree Pettis's uh, podcast. Bree Pettis started the three really? D printer revolution. He's got a podcast called The Edge, which is all about digital fabrication in this modern world. And I heard the one with the Wazer guys and the one with John Saunders. And so I've been listening. So check out Bree Pettis, The Edge. I think you'll find it interesting. Him and his uh, sidekick there. I don't know who his sidekick is. They talk about digital fabrication and, you know, where they've been and, and uh, you know, New York Resistor and the places where they started and stuff. So it's, it's cool history. Interesting. I was thinking about that guy the other day. I was like, oh, I wonder what Bree Pettis is doing now. He has a new tool company called Bantam Tools, and he's basically making like a, a mini version of a Tormach, like a desktop Tormach. So in that same oh. work environment where you would have the 3D printer, you have a you have a, a reductive CNC machine that could work on aluminum, brass, and steel. Hmm. Want pretty crazy. Bantam Tools, B A N B A N B A M T A M, like and it's a chicken is a logo. I don't know why. Oh, a Bantam chicken. That's what it is. The white chicken with the red beak, I think, is a bantam. Used to be a record label named that. Anyway, what you got, David? Uh, a movie on Amazon Prime called Number Two, The Story of the Pencil. And you know how there are people that are just so passionate about certain things? This is one of those things. It's like they're interviewing a, a, a few people about who run pencil companies. It's the history of the pencil, where the pencil fits in today's digital world. It's a great movie and i just I, so one of the people in there is the uh um the how to sharpen a pencil guy i, I forget yeah. yeah yeah he's yeah. he's in there I, I i love his attitude on, on things so it's a fun documentary the story of the pencil nice um so mine is our buddy destin sandlin from smarter every day he put out a video uh last week about a kickback killer i think is what he's calling it and basically it's a a thing that he and this other guy are working on 
uh, it's a sensor pack that you put in, they put in a circular saw. And so it uses machine learning to detect a kickback and applies the brake to the blade when that's detected. And so it's a way for it to, machine learning, it will gather data and then start to make decisions for you. So you don't have to like actually program the thresholds of what kickback is and isn't. Uh, it just collects data and then you can kind of point at one and say like that one was kickback and this one was kickback. And then the machine, much like how Google works, starts to understand the difference between like a normal use case and kickback. And then it will start to apply the brake to the blade whenever it detects it. So it's pretty awesome. They're trying to turn it into a product that they can you know, license out to saw manufacturers. I hope that works because it would save a lot of fingers probably. So anyway, it's a cool video too, and they get really excited about it. It's fun to watch a, a circular saw attached to a chain. That's fun. <laughs> I'm not a doc. I'm not a doctor, but I can guarantee the most injuries occur with circular saw when people hold the guard up. People, a lot of a lot of old timers and salty roofers and stuff. They're like, the guard just gets in the way, and so they chalk the guard up. And I know I've had my instance. I didn't get injured, but I've screwed up my projects by holding the guard up with a piece of wood. And thinking, oh, I'll remember that the guard is up. And then you go to put the saw down and the saw runs away from you. That's happened to me when I was a teenager. I thought I was going to be some hot shot and I don't need the guard. And I've met guys, I've met more than a couple of guys in my life that got injured because they left the guard up. And they went to put the saw down while the blade was still spinning down from being used. Or, you know, in some stupid cases, guys like lock, the, the, the lock it on because there's so many cuts. They're like cutting rafters or something. So misuse of the tool really is, is the biggest part of why people always get hurt. So don't lock the guard up. That's my long point. Yeah. But it's in the way. Well. <laughs> but, but, but. Are your fingers in the way? <laughs> they, they might be. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else? Did we didn't tell everybody what we're listening to? Yes, we did. Yes, oh. we did. All right. Cool. All right. That's it for this week. Bye. Later. See ya. Love you.